It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 98 of a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. 1045, where are we at in society? I need to update you on an awkward interaction I had at a coffee shop over the weekend. At 10.30, we need to remind some fans of proper etiquette when at a live sporting event. 10.15, a Longhorn-focused look on some questions ESPN is asking and answering about the Big 12 this football season. And coming up in seconds, I review the new Netflix docuseries Swamp Kings so that you don't have to waste your time. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And at Brad Kellner is where you can find my broadcasting partner in crime. You can also hear him daily on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel, hosting mornings with Bucky Godbolt from 8 to 10 a.m. And with me from 12 to 1 p.m., just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube or grab our free app in the Apple or Android App Store. It is Brad Kellner. What's up, BK? What's going on, brother? How you doing today? Well, BK, if I'm being completely honest with you, I am exhausted right now. And unfortunately, I don't have cool stories to tell necessarily with regards to getting together with cl- clients and maybe throwing a few back. And I look forward to hearing those details in just a sec. But it was uh, an interesting evening in and around the Elling household last night. It started with taking my family to that new Ike's Love and Sandwiches location in Georgetown. It's off of University. It's in a huge shopping center. So I'm just going to suggest to anybody who's trying to go over there today or in the future, find the TJ Maxx, and it's to the left of the TJ Maxx if you're facing the TJ Maxx down a couple of doors. And by the way, Ike... Shahada, who is the guy behind Ike's, I mean, he is literally the face that you see painted on the walls and the the namesake of the place. So that was part of it. And it was cool to uh, watch my kids starstruck as uh, they got to meet Ike and tell Ike about their favorite sandwiches to eat at the place and to, uh, to glad hand, take a picture with him. And then after that, we went home and things were pretty normal. But unfortunately, BK, it got to 1130 midnight last night. And I decided to hit play on the new, I guess, episode or new series within a Netflix docu-series, Swamp Kings, about that uh, Florida football program from the uh, the mid to late 2000s, the Urban Meyer-led team, the national championship, some of the trouble along the way. Well, it is a four-episode arc, and I ended up watching all four episodes So I did not go to sleep until about 3.30, as I mentioned at the uh, start of these ramblings right now. I may have been talking for 10 minutes for all I know at this point. But uh, I'm here to tell you and the people out there who have not tuned in to Swamp Kings just yet, and maybe you've seen some criticisms online that it doesn't get deep enough into uh, some of the more salacious aspects, but relevant aspects of that program at the time, those criticisms are correct. It was a waste of three hours, whatever that amount of time ended up being. It's interesting from a football perspective because it does go deep into just uh, the the ebbs and flows of a season where you have hopes and you don't achieve those national championship goals. And then, of course, the two times that they were able to do so in that Urban Meyer-Tim Tebow era. But it was very disappointing with regards to a lot of what happened off the field, which is the reason why you make something like that about that program at 
uh, on that period of time. Yeah, that's the story that surrounds that era of Florida Gators football. They're not the best dynasty in the history of the sport. Hell, they're not even the best dynasty in that decade, right? With what USC did a few years earlier, like they were more successful and consistent until, of course, Texas knocked them off the top in that national championship game. But yeah, the the on-field stuff, obviously they were good and they had a ton of talented players, but that's not docu-series worthy. It's all of the the off-the-field storylines that make for an amazing story. That's why I was super excited to check this thing out. You're telling me they didn't really dive into that stuff? No, they talked about a fight that Aaron Hernandez got into when Tim Tebow was with him at a bar, which is something that people do know at least a little bit about, but there is a lot more to dig into with Aaron Hernandez. He barely received a mention other than that. The Pouncey Brothers... Didn't receive uh, much of a mention. Janoris Jenkins didn't receive much of a mention. Urban Meyer talked about it. I want to say it was in episode three where he talked about a guy getting popped for a tiny amount of weed, like literally less than a gram of weed, which you don't smoke weed. That is a an extremely small amount, and that dude shouldn't have had the book thrown at him. And it turns into Urban Meyer belaboring giving up on a guy and kicking a guy out of a program because of a dude that he had, I think it was his first year at Florida, who gets kicked off of the team for violating team rules and then goes on to overdose on drugs a year later. And so he's like, because of that, I refuse to give up on a guy in a situation like that. All right, well, you know, Urban, there's different levels to that too, by the way. And we could have gotten into how potential murder was swept under the rug because the guys who may have been responsible were key contributors to uh, a team that won a national championship and another one that got really close as well. So in the end, a lot of these sports docu-series now since The Last Dance, and I don't think The Last Dance was this, by the way. I think Last Dance was maybe one of, if not the best, uh, sports docu-series of all time. A lot of these feel like, I don't know, marketing materials for the subjects at hand. And this felt like an attempt by Urban Meyer to rehabilitate his reputation. He was very open about the fact that he ran a hard-nosed program and was a colossal at the time. And there were a few people who questioned uh, some of their tactics in modern times who were going through it back in the day too. But all in all, it is, uh, it's pretty shameful in the end, considering the story that's there to tell, how you didn't come close to some of the most important elements of it, reeks of propaganda. God, that is so disappointing, man. Like I was looking forward to watching this and it sounds like you don't recommend me even check it out. Did you? I don't know. I don't know which CB comments you just put on the screen there, but if it's the one about Tim Tebow being just insufferable, impossible to listen to, that was pretty freaking brutal. Like T- Tebow has some interesting things to say. I'm not an, an outright Tim Tebow hater, but that, that really soft voice, and he's got a little bit of a list there too, and he's just so sweet about things. Like it does feel <laughs> a little bit like an act. And I could have probably taken it about a quarter of what Tim Tebow had to offer in the way of commentary. Look, I understand. It's Tim Tebow. You're going to get him on as much as anyone, with, maybe with the exception of Urban Meyer. But that was another nauseating part of it, too, is having to listen to him as much as you do. They, they didn't get Chris Leak on. I'm assuming that there were guys who were asked to take part in this and were like flat out no. 
I want no piece of this because I have no idea what we're going to get into. But the guys who were there, there were some interesting characters, by the way. Um, they uh, they talked to uh, to Brandon Spikes and also the uh, linebacker before him, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. So there were some interesting dudes, and there were tidbits here and there. But all in all, not worth your time. That's a bummer. Did you watch the Manziel documentary? I did not, and I think that that one will be better than the Florida documentary because I think Manziel, because he has faced his demons in public a little bit more, is uh, obviously more willing to go places and admit the truth in retrospect, but I have not gone there just yet. How about you? No, I haven't watched it either. I've heard mixed reviews on that one, but obviously those are the two big college football-related documentaries that have come out recently, and I wanted both of them to be really good because you've got two amazing stories there, and people say the Johnny one was not that good and had kind of a horrible ending, and obviously I haven't heard too many reviews about the Swamp Kings thing because I think this thing just came out, what, yesterday or two days ago? I haven't heard too many people give their feedback on it yet. But uh, yeah, hearing you talk about it, that that is very disappointing because those two storylines had tremendous, tremendous potential. And it sounds like maybe they went over two. DJ, I can't tell if you're being serious or you're joking right now. You don't like him because he's religious. Religious <laughs> has very little to do with it. Like he he didn't get into the religious aspect of things or they didn't get into the religious aspect of things a whole lot. I mean, it showed him and the the value that he placed on his religion and look as you know as long as uh, your religion your spirituality is helping you to be a better person and you're not infringing uh, pretty bluntly on the rights of others like I'm all for that even as somebody who's uh, fairly agnostic like myself were there times where Tim Tebow is providing his commentary while walking through a church sure but it was less about the setting and more about what was being said in that moment that was getting on my damn nerves Spending a Wednesday night with Brad Kellner here on the Night Talker. Coming up, we get into some Longhorn football talk. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back on a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker, I am joined by Brad Kellner, who I host a daily show with on YouTube. Also through a live stream, that's from 12 to 1. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. You can also grab our free app in the Apple or Android app store. And BK, we a little bit sporty in segment one, but we're going to get even more so now talking some college football. Let's talk some Longhorn football. Uh, Our friends over at ESPN put together a Big 12 at a glance article where they kind of go around the conference and take a look at some important players to know, some key matchups to discuss, and just various aspects of what to expect from the Big 12 in 2023. So I kind of wanted to run this, uh, run down this list a little bit, but also localize it and kind of focus on Texas with some of these categories. So the first category mentioned on this ESPN article, three transfers to know. Uh, We don't need to go around the conference for this one. And hell, we don't need to give three, but I'll ask you for one, Trey. One transfer that came into this Texas football program this offseason that you think is going to make an impact for Steve Sarkeesian and company here in 2023. I mean, because I've already predicted that he's going to be this team's number one wide receiver and what should be a pretty lethal passing attack. I guess I have to take the easy option here, BK, and go A.D. Mitchell, the uh, talented but oft-injured transfer from Georgia has continued to impress people going through spring drills, summer workouts, now fall practice too. Uh, he seems primed for uh, some huge things in 2023. 
Yeah, I think there are two safe bets, right? One on offense and one on defense. And maybe they're not safe because of the injury histories that both of these guys have. But in terms of just their abilities, there's no question about A.D. Mitchell on offense. There's no question about Jalen Catalan on defense, right? Like if those two guys are able to play all 12 games this season, I have zero doubt Texas is winning the Big 12. Like that, that, that's how impactful those guys are. That's how good they can be for their respective units. If we get 12 games of A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Catalan, then uh, this team is going to be a hell of a lot better than if we don't. Well, I'm thinking about guys other than those two that Longhorn fans need to keep an eye on. And the first two names that come to mind for me are both on the defensive side of the ball. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if there is uh, another offensive player that I expect to have a major impact, at least uh, somebody that was on the transfer market uh, less than a year ago. And those two defensive guys are Gavin Holmes on the outside, a multi-year starter at Wake Forest at cornerback, and then also Trill Carter, who's probably going to have at least uh, a little bit less of an impact early on than Gavin Holmes is, but was a uh, starter at Minnesota and somebody who uh, uh, garnered all-conference honors last year too both those guys not only provide depth but the potential for uh for some serious playmaking ability too i agree yeah sarkin company did a pretty good job in the portal this offseason they didn't have to get a ton but uh, the guys that they got i think are pretty talented all right on to the next category here three positions to fill we could just go with one we're 10 days away from the start of the Texas football season. What is the position that, in your mind, still needs to be filled by this coaching staff? <clears throat> it is a position. Look, I know the obvious answer is defensive ends, but unfortunately, that there's been a giant void there uh, for the last few years now. So I'm not going to say defensive end. I am going to say the position that Marvion Overshone has played so well for the last few years. I am still concerned that some combination of David Benda, Maurice Blackwell, Anthony Hill, whoever else, uh, DeMarvion Overshone did a lot on his own. So uh, hopefully you can patchwork something together that gets close to that production. But DeMarvion Overshone, you cannot sleep on just how important he has been for that defense these last couple of years, both in the run and passing games. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, That's a great call with linebacker. I think edge is another obvious one that you brought up. I'll go running back, though. I'm not super worried about what Texas has in the running back room. I just know what they lost from that position. A top 10 pick in Bijan Robinson and then Rojo, who was also drafted. And Rojo's a guy who could have been a starter on like 90 plus percent of college football teams the last couple of years. So do I have faith in Jonathan Brooks? Yeah. Am I excited as hell to see what C.J. Baxter can bring to the table? Yeah, absolutely. And Savion Red, I mean, there are some other guys, Jaden Blue as well. There are plenty of names and highly touted recruits in that running back room, but uh, major, major shoes to fill if either of those guys had left. But because both of those guys left in the same offseason, that's the one for me. What about... Uh, real quick, uh, real quick, BK, turning to the uh, comment section. By the way, thank you to everybody for your comments today. Always appreciate when you people interact with us via the YouTube comments. Stay tuned. Hopefully be a text line at some point down the road. It's not tomorrow, unfortunately, but uh, we will hopefully have something there before too long if you are listening on the free app right now. Jay Ward says... They're saying Ant Hill, Anthony Hill, of course, hasn't quite gotten the technical side of things down, but he makes up for it in pure try and hustle. 
And that is why you hope that a David Benda can really step in and fill that void on first and second down to allow Anthony Hill the opportunity to learn on the job while also using him very tactically in situations where you know there is a much higher chance that he's going to succeed, a la having him come off the edge on third and obvious passing down. So I know Pete Kuskowski is smart about that. He's not going to force a true freshman into action if he doesn't have to. So while uh, I would love to see Anthony Hill ready to go and be a uh, three-down linebacker for you right now, the reality is is that he's a true freshman. He's not quite there just yet. That's okay. I don't know if he's ever going to be a three-down linebacker. Like, I I look at what the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons, you know? Like he he's he plays some linebacker for them, but he's basically an edge rusher right now. Yeah. Like if Anthony Hill can do what you're talking about, he can just pin his ears back and he's got the ability to wreak havoc in opposing backfields, then hey, fine. Leave him there. Leave him there. Yeah, let let him be a uh, three down linebacker in that Pete Witkowski two four five defense where there the uh that those two outside linebackers are Something of a uh, defensive line hybrid. Yeah, that, that's the sort of linebacker that I'd be okay with him turning into as well when it comes to him being a three-down guy, once he uh, understands his run fits a little bit better at the position. That's sort of a perfect segue to the next one. Three impact freshmen. Anthony Hill is a guy that I expect to start by the end of this season. I don't know exactly where. He could be replacing David Benda. He could be replacing Ethan Burke. He could be replacing Baron Sorrell. No disrespect to any of those guys, but I just think Anthony Hill is going to be too much of a talent on defense to where he's going to be on the sideline. So he's an obvious one, man. Everybody was super pumped with plenty of obvious reason that when Anthony Hill decided to commit and ultimately sign to Texas, that's the guy right there. Instant impact, expecting big things out of him, even though he's only a true freshman. You know, it's interesting because uh, ESPN did a good job with this article for the most part, but It's kind of light on Texas guys at times, but this is one of those areas where they do list a Texas player. So I'll read their analysis and then give you somebody different as far as the three instant impact freshmen go. Uh, There's also an Iowa State and Houston guy on this list too, but they list Cedric Baxter, top 30 prospect. Baxter has the makeup to become a star. He also has the opportunity with last year's top two Texas rushers gone. You're not wrong about that, but he is still behind Jonathan Brooks right now. So uh, we'll just be in a little bit wait-and-see mode. And again, if he's not your bell cow at some point this season, that's okay. He's a true freshman. Still plenty of time for that one. As far as another true freshman that I expect to make an instant impact, I'm having a hard time between Malik Muhammad and Jonte Cook right now, BK. But I feel like Malik Muhammad's path to seeing the field more consistently is maybe slightly easy, uh, easier. It's not a huge gap by any means, but uh, because I feel like Malik Muhammad is a little bit closer to seeing the field as a starter, I'll go with Malik Muhammad and uh, what he is capable of as a co- cover corner on the outside and also a guy who has uh, a lot of physicality for the position too. Yeah, I like that answer too. And you're right. I mean, there are good corners ahead of Malik Muhammad on this depth chart, but there are more receivers ahead of Jonte Cook, right? Texas has a little bit more talent, a little bit more proven talent in that wide receiver room than it does in the cornerback room right now. So yeah, I think Muhammad's opportunities at early playing time may be uh, a little more than what Jonte Cook has. But hey, if Jonte Cook is as good as advertised, Sark's going to find a way to put him on the field. And I hope that is a problem that we're talking about is that Texas just has too much wide receiver talent and it's hard to find snaps for all five of those guys. And hell, maybe it's more than five guys that we're talking about who could be really, really good 
wide receivers for this team. That is the ultimate first world problem, and I hope that's something we're discussing on this show. Is Jonte Cook the fourth wide receiver right now when they go four wide receiver sets? I, like, I don't even know the answer to that question. I don't either. I mean, you've got Xavier Worthy, you've got Jordan Winnington, you've got A.D. Mitchell. I think those guys are locks. And then Isaiah Nayor. Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't Casey know where Kane. he fits in because he didn't play last year. But, you know, the guy's got a thousand yard season of college football under his belt. And oh, we heard so many rave reviews about him last fall camp before he went down with that injury. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly how the depth chart's going to look like. All of those guys should get plenty of run against Rice. Uh, but I do wonder against Alabama and when when we get to conference play, kind of what that wide receiver rotation looks like. But uh, you've got some options and Sark and Quinn Ewers have some weapons at their disposal, which is pretty cool. Moving on now from three instant impact freshmen to must see September games, BK. Yeah, the Longhorns are going to end up on this one, too, because of that week two matchup in Tuscaloosa at Alabama. That is September 9th, of course. If you pick one other game in the month of September for the Longhorns. It does have to be that Baylor game in Waco, though, right? Yeah, you would think so. The conference opener, um, a a tough test against a solid Baylor team. I mean, they're coming off of a disappointing year, but hell, two years ago, they won the Sugar Bowl, uh, and they won 12 games with Dave Aranda. So you never count Baylor out, man. You never count Baylor out. And, yeah, it's the last trip the Longhorns are going to make to Waco for the foreseeable future. So Baylor's going to be amped up when Texas comes to town um, and this has been a very close series in recent years between these two teams. So, hell, Texas lost in Waco the last time they played a couple of seasons ago. That's the obvious pick. That is the second toughest game the Longhorns have in the month of September for sure. It is a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. I'm hanging out with Brad Kellner, who I do a daily YouTube show with through the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube and watch us live from 12 to 1. You can, of course, also watch those videos after the fact as well. Coming up, we do continue the Longhorn conversation for just a bit, and then we need to let some of you fans know about proper etiquette when watching games in person. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker. I am joined by Brad Kellner, who I do a daily YouTube show with live from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube or grab our free app if you want to check out the audio only. You can search Texas Sports Unfiltered in your Apple or Android app store. Continuing the Texas Longhorn conversation, BK. Moving on to MVP pick now. Uh, I guess we can just ask us about the Longhorns. Now, uh, one of the guys who are commenting does have Quinn Ewers as the MVP of the conference. Is it that obvious? If Texas is good this year, then Quinn Ewers is your odds-on MVP? That's it. Yeah, I know they don't give out like a conference MVP. I guess it's the conference player of the year. But uh, now, look, if Texas wins the Big 12, it's going to be in large part because Quinn Ewers takes a step and is more consistent this year. So, yeah, if uh, if Texas reaches where it's supposed to reach this year, then it's going to be because of Quinn Ewers. So he's, he's the safe bet uh, to be the most valuable player for this Longhorn team this year. I guess it's probably obvious on defense, too. Like, it almost uh, has to be Jalen Ford, considering the season that he put up uh, a year ago and how he is the, uh, the center of what's supposed to be a pretty salty unit uh, this coming year. The defensive MVP is going to be somebody named Jalen. I don't know if it's Jalen Ford or Jalen Catalan, but if Catalan could stay healthy, 
I mean, that guy, like Jalen Ford's obviously a stud. He should have been the defensive player of the year in this league last year. But uh, Catalan, like first team all SEC is a freshman. Like that dude is a freaking monster. So uh, I would I would maybe throw a little bet on, uh, I don't think you can bet on this because they don't do team offensive or defensive MVPs, at least in Vegas. Uh, but if you could, I would maybe sprinkle a little bit on Jalen Catalan too because He's just that good of a talent, man. He, he can make that much of a difference for this Longhorn defense this year, I think. Okay, so uh, they do list some coaches on the hot seat this year. And uh, not surprising, Neil Brown from West Virginia squarely on the hot seat, as is Dana Holgerson, a.k.a. Big 12 Phil Collins. I hope Big 12 Phil Collins uh, stays in the conference for a long, long time going <laughs> forward. But I'll ask you it this way, BK, based on... Uh, uh, linking it back to the Longhorns, and uh, it'll be a bit of a fill-in-the-blank. Steve Sarkeesian will be on the hot seat at the end of this season if what? Oh, God. You can uh, pass if you want to. Want. If you don't want to answer the question, that's fine. No, I'll answer it. Steve Sarkeesian will be on the hot seat if Texas wins fewer games in 2023 than it did in 2022. 8-4. and so, four. Regular yeah. season in 2022. I'm with you on that one. I think seven and five or lower is a problem. I mean, if, if God forbid, 2023 is a repeat of 2021, is Sark gone? Yes. Got, got to be, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't expect that to happen at all. Your but. schedule is not that difficult this year, and you have been talking all offseason about how good your roster is. You cannot miss a bowl game. Yeah, and how this is your team, and for the first time in your tenure here, you feel like it's your guys, and you've got the program where you want it. I mean, dude, eight and four would be incredibly disappointing, and there are some Texas fans who would be asking for Steve Sarkeesian to be removed if that's what Texas does this season. Hell, some people think nine and three would be underwhelming this year, and Vegas is telling you that, hey, that would be under, emphasis on underwhelming, because that's below the total that they have for this Texas team in 2023, so yeah, if it's uh, man, if it's eight wins, we might be talking about it. But definitely seven or fewer than Sark's seat is is very very hot. And obviously, if it gets uh, below five hundred, then we're gonna unfortunately be needing to talk about a new coach in Austin. BK, we had a couple of things happen in games last night that is gonna require us to give folks a reminder of how to act and not act. When you're watching sporting events in person, we mentioned this yesterday. It's embarrassing when the Longhorns or pick a program goes full Aggie with a given situation. I'm going to refer to this as going full Philly fan. When you uh, act in a way that is completely embarrassing for you, those that you're with, those that you're around you, and the fan base on the whole. And we start in Atlanta where Braves fans were apparently cheering when Pete Alonso, the uh, star first baseman for the New York Mets, was hit by a pitch and had to leave a game. It's pretty basic, <laughs> BK. You don't cheer when a guy has to leave a game with an injury, even if it is the star of the other team. Now, there is the rare exception, I guess, but Pete Alonso is not a bad dude. He is not looked at as a villain Whoa. in baseball, is he? Yeah, uh, no, Pete Alonso sucks. Okay, well. He, he's he's uh, he's not a great human being. There was some guy, I think the Mets were playing the Cardinals last week, and a guy had his first major league hit, and you know how like you always keep the ball from your first major league hit, uh-huh. and the, 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 the dugout will be like, hey, throw us the ball. You know, it's his first hit. Pete Alonso 
saw that, saw that it was this dude's first big league hit, saw the Cardinals dugout like motioning for the baseball, and he chunked it into the stands instead. Okay, that's not good. Well, I take back what I said about Pete Alonso. I clearly (laughs) haven't watched much Mets baseball this year. But still, let's try not to cheer a guy who's having to leave a game with an injury. You can cheer when somebody gets hit by a pitch if they're a hated player on an opposing team. But I'm with you. Don't don't cheer when somebody gets actually injured to the point where they have to leave the game. That's that's a bad bit because we are still talking about a human being here. And the other example is from basketball. That's right. It's very rare we'll talk WNBA, but we're going to go there at least briefly. Do you watch, or I guess more importantly, does your cousin gamble on WNBA games, uh, more specifically the Dallas Wings? Is the Pope Catholic, Trey? I don't believe so. In the woods? I don't believe so. The Pope was a Nazi, wasn't he? Uh, I don't think so, but that's not my area of expertise, so I'm not... Not very sure. I think he's Catholic. At least that's what I was told growing up. Was your cousin betting on the Dallas-Minnesota game last night then, I guess I need to ask? No, the cousin did have uh, the Chicago Sky, who uh, took care of him last night against uh, Seattle. But uh, no action on the Wings game last night. Apparently they've changed it to an S. Oh, it's not a Z I was really disappointed to see that it wasn't a Z on the end of that name, but it's the Wings against the Lynx with an X and not a CKS, so uh, they're really cool. Yeah. But uh, Dallas loses the game last night in Minnesota, 91-86, to but that's not the story. The story is a forward for the Dallas Wings. Perhaps you know the pronunciation of this name. This is the first time I'm seeing it in my life, and I'm going to butcher it. Satao Sabali? Does that sound right? Uh, no. But I don't know what is right, so... We're going to go with that, but it does not sound right. Satu Sabali uh, was upset <laughs> after the game, uh, calling out the Lynx fan base as being disgusting for what was being yelled at her on the court. It was apparently so profane that the fans in question got kicked out of the game, BK, and <laughs> afterwards, Sato Satau. She basically said, these people were yelling at me that I hope that you get hurt after she had committed a hard foul on the on a Minnesota Lynx player. Wow. So let's go over this pretty quickly for all you sports fans out there who maybe have uh, forgotten your basic manners at live sporting events. I understand. It's upsetting to see the opposition uh, foul your guy or your gal in this situation. But come on. It is very pathetic to openly root for an injury, even as it pertains to the opposition. And I would even argue it's especially pathetic to do so at a WNBA game, BK. So let's refrain from doing that going forward. You can get upset. You can cheer loudly for your team to do well. Maybe even throw some boos out there if you want to when the opposition does something good or a specific player does something good. But let's not scream bloody murder in a literal sort of way, even if you're upset with the opposition. What if you want to cheer when one of your own team's players gets hurt? Is that kosher? You want to cheer when one of your own team's players get hurt? Oh, are you talking about uh, the Garrett Gilbert situation from a decade plus ago? That works. I was at a Texans game one year when Matt Schaub went down with an injury and Texans fans were cheering because they didn't have to watch Matt Schaub play quarterback anymore. Look, I was in the stands 
when, I don't know if Garrett Gilbert got injured in this game, but when he was getting booed heavily, and granted, he wasn't playing great, but it was still a really embarrassing look for the uh, for the fans at DKR to hear that uh, that collective boo towards a guy that you need to be trying to pick up whenever he's struggling like that. So, uh, in a sense, I kind of understand, especially when you mention the name Matt Schaub, but I think you still you need to try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I did write the book about how to fan at a WNBA game. Yes, you did. You you lost a sports bet and had to go be a hardcore fan, but you were respectful despite the fact that you were cheering your head off. No, I was losing my mind. I was on the refs, I can tell you that. There was no respect being shown to them because they were awful in that Silver Stars game. But the refs were, were getting it. And look, I was a, a great fan, man. I did my part. I wrote the book, once again, on how to be a good WNBA fan. We might have to bring back some videos of uh, of that and play them on this show at some point in the not-too-distant future. Completely different set of courtesy rules for fans and the, the opposition in your own team versus the officials, by the way, because I've definitely said a mean thing or two to the refs over time, and I'm thinking specifically about a uh, Texas-Oklahoma State game from several years ago. Oh, that was rough. My God. Yeah, I pulled my phone out and started playing the Three Blind Mice song and because there was only 500 people at that WNBA game, I think the refs actually heard it. That so. baseline ref, I do remember him looking back because I was sitting next to you laughing and videoing the entire time. Uh, everybody in that arena knew who I was by like halftime. Jay Ward says, I can't believe they kicked the only fans in the building out of that <laughs> WNBA game last night. Hey, listen, Jay Ward, there was a uh, there was a school field trip there too and maybe a couple of uh, youth <laughs> basketball teams. Hey, show some respect to former number two overall pick, Satu Sabali. There we go. I don't know how how to pronounce her name, but, you know, former number two pick. That I do know. This is a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker, where I am joined by Brad Kellner, who I do a daily YouTube show with. It's live from 12 to 1 through the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Coming up, it is the final segment, which means where are we at in society? It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Trey and BK Wednesday on the Night Talker means it's time for... Where are we at in society today? Finish each other's sandwiches? Yes, it is time for a daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And I don't know what today qualifies as, BK, because uh, today's Where We At begins with an update on the coffee shop conflict that I told you people about a couple days ago. It happened on Sunday at a coffee shop in Austin proper. There was a girl who thought it was a good idea for her fat lab to lay in the middle of the coffee shop between the front door and the register, requiring me to say, hey, this isn't your living room. This is a coffee shop. But I wasn't so polite about that. I was stern Uh, She was probably in her mid-20s and clearly hadn't been taught any sort of limits or norms by her own parents, so she accused me of speaking to her like a child, which I probably was, and ultimately 
Uh, I think she probably got the dog out of the middle of the floor. But that doesn't mean I feel good about things, BK. So I actually went back into this coffee shop for the first time since then, ordered my coffee. The person who helped me out at the register this morning, she was there on Sunday. I specifically remember her and the other two employees who were there who probably needed to do their job and tell her to get the dog out of the middle of the floor. (laughs) But after I put my order in and walked around the counter to uh, get it where they put the uh, ready-to-go coffee orders, I said, excuse me. I'm like, I know you were here on Sunday when I had my altercation with that other customer. I'm like, what do you think about that? Is what I asked her. And she said, I understand where you were coming from, but you were also really rude in doing so. I said, Mm. okay. I said, thank you. I appreciate your feedback. I wasn't looking to get into another argument. I genuinely, I could feel her discomfort with helping me. So I'm trying to actively diffuse a uh, situation in my direction now, which I think I maybe did a little bit or at least uh, worked a little bit uh, in that direction. But after I finish this very brief interaction with her, I turn and the owner of the coffee shop is right there. He's somebody that I know and I've known for years now. So I asked if I could sit down for a second and chat. He said, sure. So I explained the situation to him. I said, I was, I came across as rude. I don't doubt that, but it was also a pretty flagrant situation in terms of her needing to recognize what was going on there and not let, let her dog just lay out in the middle of the floor. And he, uh, after listening to the story, actually apologized to me for feeling the need to, uh, to actually address that. He said, one of my employees should have done so. And he's like, I'm going to remind them also, because if nothing else, like we want to be dog friendly, especially when it's as hot as it is this summer. So to have your dog inside with you is no big deal, but you got to keep the dog next to you. You can't just let the dog roam the coffee shop while you're on the other side of the joint. And so he listened to me. I told him, look, the next time I see her, I'll probably offer up an apology. But ultimately, he uh, said in so many words, BK, Trey, you were right there. And I'm sorry that you even had to do that, that you had to uh, let your blood pressure go up like that to handle a situation that my employees needed to be all over. You feel vindicated? Hell yes, I do. Hell yes, Mm. I do. I guarantee you there were other customers in that place who were probably uncomfortable in the moment that I will hear from at some point in the next couple of weeks telling me thank you because this girl needed to get her dog out of the middle of the damn floor. Is the vindication worth having them spit in your coffee every time you go in there moving forward? So here's the great news about that. The order that I make is not something that's ordered on the spot or that they have to take to the back room to, uh, to get ready. It is legitimately them pulling the, uh, the cold brew container out of the fridge, pouring it in front of my face, and then handing it to me. They could still spit in it while they're pouring it. They could have a special jar of cold brew just for you when you walk in there that has some of their special sauce, if you know what I mean. Oh, interesting. You guys are uh, pouring the cold brew from a mason jar now, huh? Yeah, some of them. <laughs> some of them we are. Yeah, just a couple. And Why is there like a giant F? K on that one. Uh, what's uh? What does that say? Head. <laughs> Why does that one say that? I don't want from that one. I want from the other cold brew can. Huh? Face. <laughs> who, who are you thinking is a face here? Me? Well, I kind of am a face, I guess. Oh my god! Well, congrats a, to you. I actually have another update too, based on a story that I told you last week, I believe, because. 
Um, I got into it. I actually got into a physical altercation. <laughs> Way too many altercations happening in Austin on the weekends with me, clearly. Uh, sometimes the problem, if there's enough of them, is not the other person. It is you. But it's not a person in this situation. It is a driverless taxi that I told you about uh, a week ago that I basically, uh, my the, the guy that I was with and I were trying to parallel park in a spot and this driverless taxi was a cruise car, like that's the name of the company, Cruise, yeah. pulled up right on our back bumper and wouldn't move and made no efforts to get around literally for like five or 10 minutes. Well, here's my vindication, BK. The DMV in California has actually asked Cruise, the company that I called out a week ago, to cut the number of its driverless fleets in half, citing, quote, concerning incidents. Wow. That is right. The DMV has seen enough of these now that it's telling crews, look, I know that you've told us that your technology is up to snuff, but unfortunately, the way that your cars are operating right now, that is clearly not the case. And Cruise has said okay to this. So Cruise probably even understands that the technology is not far enough along just yet. How about that? Yeah. Vindication part two. Yeah. Damn. So I'm feeling pretty they're good listening. about myself right now. They're listening to Texas Sports Unfiltered. They heard that story and they're like, eh, we got to change. We can't have people yelling at our cars or kicking our cars in the middle of the street anymore. That's not a good look for us. And that guy also looks like an idiot. So we need to prevent that from happening anytime <laughs> ever again. Okay, and uh, last story today, I think. I need to actually uh, get to the share screen for this because I need to show you these highlights. You are a, or your cousin, excuse me, is a gambling degen. So maybe this is a step too far for even your cousin. All right, where are we going here? Excuse me just a second. I think this is, nope, that's not it. How many tabs do you have open today? Uh, dude, it's it's not good. I apologize. This is a complete embarrassment. Oh, no. There goes your vindication. I know, right? You're, you're good at embarrassing yourself, yelling at some innocent girl for having a dog in Austin and then yelling at a driverless car for... All right. I'm just going to show the entire screen here, and you can just see how embarrassing the desktop and all the tabs are. All right. Oh, boy. Here we Tra- go. God, you versus computers, man. Tell me if you can see the screen. Can you see the screen? Yes. Have you seen this before? A Volkswagen? Nope. Uh, an watch. arcade game? Oh, here we go. Now this it's is playing. a professional sport, and it's apparently the championship. What? I don't no, know if you've never seen this. What is, volleyball what or what, but these guys are trying to keep this balloon from hitting the ground in what looks oh. like a television studio that has a bunch of random stuff around a Volkswagen, a couch. There's an old school arcade game in there somewhere. The guy in red just won that one, I guess. This is one-on-one, so I guess the guys wearing black and yellow are the refs. <laughs> yeah, there are as many refs as there are players here to <laughs> ensure that the balloon doesn't hit the ground here. And This is awesome, dude. I, I, mean, I Okay, so I'm glad you're with me here because I play this game with my kids regularly, and it is, it's surprising how much fun it is to play. Oh, yeah. I think every family has played this game at some point, right? Like, I, I remember playing this game with my sisters growing up. Like, hey, you got a balloon, you just try to keep it in the air for as long as you can. Now, that's 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 a fun game. Like, you take a, 
a couple of paddles down to the beach or something like that. And you hit the ball up in the air a bunch and try to keep it in the air as long as you can. Like that's that type of shit is always going to be fun. I'm glad someone actually turned that into a sport. Yeah, so they call that the Balloon World Cup. And if you saw at the top of the screen, there were uh, different uh, (laughs) countries represented in this uh, this particular matchup. It was Peru versus a a German team. Oh, dude, I I want in on this. Not not as a member of the German team, but I want to represent Team USA on this balloon upkeep game. What is it called? Balloon. It's just the Balloon World Cup. Okay. Yeah, I went in on the Balloon World Cup, man. I, I I like my chances. I was awesome at that growing up. I I got us. If we're power ranking the uh the members of Texas Sports Unfiltered and just how good they're gonna be at the Balloon World Cup, I don't know who's first. I do know who's dead last though. Well, the guy with a fake knee and fake hip and fake teeth. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be him, right? Yeah, it's your morning partner. Yeah, that guy can barely walk up the stairs to do a radio show. There's no way he can run around a Volkswagen to try to keep a balloon up in the air. Like, after one hit, he's done. God, it'd be a disaster. He would, and I, oh, he'd, he'd be out. He'd be the worst player maybe in the world at this game. He can't even do knee push-ups. He's going to have a hard time keeping a balloon in the air. Yeah, he is an expert at falling, though, as Jay Ward mentions. He did did say he taught Tua how to fall as part of his fall (laughs) school that he apparently teaches. Another show is in the books. Thank you so much to BK for hanging out for the hour. If I'm being completely honest, this is just me repackaging what BK and I do live every day from 12 to 1 through the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube and watch it live from 12 to 1. You can also check BK out live with Bucky Godbolt every morning from 8 to 10 a.m. And also Chip Brown and Isaiah Collier. They are live from 1 to 3. Have yourselves a great rest of the night. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. In the meantime... Sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.